The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Change is the one constant in life. It is inevitable, and it will happen to all of us at one time or another. Whether we like it or not, People and circumstances will change. We will get sick, loved ones will die, jobs will be lost, couples will grow apart, and children will move out. And when that happens, we are scared and sometimes lost. But here is the good news. Each one of us can write the next chapter of our life. No matter what we face, with the right mindset and unwavering tenacity, we can raise the curtain to a second act. I'm Joan Herman, and through my Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brand and Second Acts, it is my mission to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation to write the next part of your story. And what a story it will be. Welcome to Second Acts. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for joining us. In 2006, after building the best-selling franchise, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, with her husband Richard, author Christine Carlson faced a shattering loss, the sudden death of her beloved spouse. She came to understand intimately how our losses are our defining moments, and that how we go through them shapes us. Christine's path offers a life-altering map for navigating the journey from loss to joy. She is the author of the book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. Thanks so much for having me. Christine, I love your book and I love this topic because like you, everything that I'm doing today was the result of tremendous loss. In a period of six months, my 23-year marriage ended, my mother died, and my sister died. And Mm. so I understand everything that you write about. And I'm really excited about this conversation because your story, my story, the story of so many others, they really illustrate that you can find joy and happiness on the other side of an experience that really does rock your world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a lot to go through in a short period of time. And, you know, I often hear that from people that, you know, they lose one family member, then they lose another. And, you know, it it's, it's, makes for a very difficult, difficult change and transition. But you're right. We can all return to joy if we do our healing work. And most of the time, I think, and you probably find this too, that after we've gone through great loss, we actually, and we come out the other side, we're actually living better versions of ourselves because our lives take on such a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. I recently spoke with David Kessler, 
who worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on the grief model, and he is working on a uh, another stage in the model, which he calls meaning, because he said when you go through tremendous loss and grief, most people try to make sense of it. They try to find meaning in their life from that. And your work, it, it's it's the same thing. People, I meet so many people like you who take that pain and they take that loss and they transform it into something so meaningful and important. Yeah, oftentimes you hear people say that everything happens for a reason. And I, I kind of have a different take on that. I think that everything happens and we find the reason why it happens. And that's mm-hmm. how we find meaning and that's how we process, you know, that we, we need to um, grow. I think our souls came here to grow and, you know, oftentimes it's our losses. It's the difficult things in life that really um, shine the light on our growth and really, you know, forces us to do our inner work and, and I think that's the great benefit. It's not anything that any of us ask for, but certainly it's something that we all will go through in our lifetimes. We will all um, have major changes and transitions and also major losses in our lifetime. Tell us about Richard and what your relationship was like. Well, Richard was as you would have suspected him to be. He um, was a very light human being, um, very lighthearted a really happy guy. I think he had a um, high level of innate happiness he was born with, and he knew from a very early age that he was going to probably write and teach the world something about happiness. Some of the early stories of his life are when he was 11 years old, he named his dog Happy, and he was a really great tennis player, um, slated number one at Pepperdine when I met him in college, and he used to read Wayne Dyer and used to read um, different psychology books in order to get an edge on his own competitive nature, but then he found that he was so intrigued, and he was so intrigued with the prospect of psychology and personal growth that um, he found that he was a healer and he started a career as a rolfer, which is a bodywork therapist, and then got his master's and PhD in psychology. And then we studied a very, um, very early form of what would be considered maybe kind of on the lines of positive psychology. Richard was a pioneer of his time. He was one of the very first um, psychologists and authors to look at the human being as being a positive um, person overall, that our mental state and well-being is something that we can access and that sometimes we get off kilter. But he didn't look at, um, he didn't really believe in traditional therapy in the sense of that it was super valuable to continue to hash up your past. I mean, he thought that, you know, certainly looking at your past in order to move forward um, was valuable, but not to sit and talk about your problems and commiserate about your problems. So he would have been one of the early authors to talk about some principles that really pointed to mental health and well-being, like how our thoughts matter and how we live in separate realities and how our moods matter to our experience of life and how present moment living is really the key to happiness. These are the kinds of things that he was um, talking about, you know, 25, 30 years ago, which were relatively new to psychology, but are now, of course, commonplace. So in a nutshell, you know, Richard and I had a really amazing life together. We had a really wonderful marriage. Uh, We um, have two daughters, and they are now grown, but at the time of his death, they were just 14 and 17. And so it was a very difficult time 
um, for our family. You know, he was only 45, I was 43. We're really at a peak experience of our lives when he um, died of a pulmonary embolism on a flight uh, to New York. So before that moment, we thought he was relatively healthy. You know, we had no idea that he was really struggling with his health at that point. So it was quite a shock. Christine, what was it like for you after you lost him? Well, I mean, you can all imagine, I mean, my life was shattered um, at the news that my husband had died on a flight. I mean, I it was a complete shock. Um, I call that, you know, your initiation by crisis. It was certainly my initiation. And I say initiation because, you know, I, I sort of chose the a very um, loose depiction of the hero's journey in my books to talk about healing because we often find ourselves living on one timeline and then suddenly something happens it shatters our world as we know it and it sends us on a totally new trajectory in life and certainly that's what um, Richard's death did for my daughters and I we you know we're living our lives it was busy it was a busy time with two girls in high school and sports and you know doing full-time career Richard was I was full-time mom and you know, holding space for him. So even though I had written with him, I had written Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love and Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women, I wasn't in full ownership of my career as an author because I was in full swing of what it meant to be, you know, the main person in our home, um, you know, managing home for my family and for my husband. So my life and my daughter's life shattered. It really did. And, you know, at that point, I did my very, very best to hold their space so that they could grieve healthily while going through tremendous grief myself. And, you know, it took us a couple years to get our feet on the ground. It wasn't like an instantaneous, um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to suddenly just move through this and be happy. It wasn't like that. It was a lot of tears and a lot of um, deeper understanding of, of what it means to be human and what it means to allow your soul to... Um, go from being wounded to healed. And that was really my journey. That was really my daughter's journey as well. What do you think was your turning point when you decided that you didn't want to go down that path? I I know for me, I was really going into a dark hole. I was going into a, a really dark place. And I knew that I needed to pull myself out for my children, my two sons. And I knew that I didn't want to live my life in that way any longer. And I think that while it's it's not an immediate choice, I, I do think that there is a choice that you make when you say, I'm not going to be that victim or yeah. live this way. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I think that we all go down that road to some degree, you know, when we first um, have a life-shattering loss. And, you know, I, I decided pretty early on because of the background that I had in you know, with my work with Richard and just all the tools. I've done a lot of personal growth work in my lifetime already. And I I had decided really early on, I could see myself um, doing this loss two ways. And one would be, I would pull the covers up over my head and I would just disappear, you know, down the dark hole. Or I would pull the covers off every day and put my feet over the side of the bed and stand. And it was really getting up and knowing that I had been really blessed Um, in life that I knew I'd had great love. I wasn't at the early stages of grief grateful for that great love because I was experiencing such pain, 
in the loss of it, but I knew that I had been blessed. I knew that the best way that I could honor my life with Richard and honor him was to stand up and move and keep going for my daughters and, you know, keep moving into life and keep allowing my grief to heal me. You know, I didn't really think of grief as the enemy. I thought of this time period as very fertile ground for growth, and I knew it was. And I thought of grief is an emotional response to loss that came to heal me and to allow my tears to flow and allow, you know, I started to realize, I don't know if you felt this too, but I had really spent very little time in my adult life crying, very little time. And and yet I had a lot of tears that I couldn't identify. Of course, they were from the loss of my husband, but I also felt like grief was kind of the great house cleaner. It sort of just went in, and as I allowed more of it to show up, I just felt renewed. And I felt like every tear that I was shedding was somehow um, lifting my spirit higher, allowing myself to become more of who I was. And, you know, this is all pretty astounding. It's all part of post-traumatic growth, you know, that we go through when we have a really, a really big shock. And I like to think of it as an awakening, something that really awakens our heart to a deeper meaning in life, to a deeper expression of our soul, to maybe even our authentic expression, you know, if you will, that we become more of who we are um, when we're not holding life so tightly, when we realize that life is imperfect, but that there's a perfect design somehow for what we're going through. And, you know, these are all things that I felt really compelled to share and from Heartbreak to Wholeness because, you know, I mean, it's, it's a tough journey, as you know, Joan, to go through loss, but there's something really positive that comes out the other side. You know, I just don't want people to miss that possibility. I agree with you, Christine, because the work that I'm doing right now is the result of that loss. I would not be doing this work. I would have not created this brand. I would not be speaking with you had I not gone through all of that. And the other thing that, that I agree with you on is allowing yourself to feel, to cry. So many yeah. people feel that they need to hold their feelings in or, or not not give themselves permission to feel what they're feeling. I, I cried. Sometimes I still cry. And, and I allow myself to do that because it is cleansing. I, I agree with you. And that would be my advice to someone who's going through pain and heartbreak right now. What would you say to someone who's in the middle of loss, someone who's suffering? I would say exactly the same thing. I would say that, you know, being stoic and being, you know, strong in that sense of not crying is only going to hurt you. It's gonna, it's not going to make you strong. It's going to weaken other aspects of you somehow, your health possibly or other other things. So I, I think that, yeah, you're right. You know, the best thing that you can do is just give yourself some time and space to heal, as much time and space as possible. And that might not mean that you get time off from work, so it might mean that you go quieter on the weekends. You know, you give yourself time in nature, you take long, warm, hot baths, you do soothing self-care, you know, do the things that allow yourself to feel your feelings, you know, busying it up and partaking in more to-do busyness isn't always the answer. In fact, I would say it's never the answer when you're in grief. I would say that spending some time in stillness, 
you know, allowing yourself to um, maybe even shake if you need to. You know, I, I don't know how I knew this, but I would lay on the ground and I would let my arms just fly open in my legs and I would just allow my body to shake until I would cry. And and then I would, you know, be in horrible pain and then the next moment I'd be in bliss. So one thing, you know, is listen to your body too. Your body has a way of teaching you, you know, when you're not feeling enough by you can ask your body, where are you feeling your pain? You know, I felt mine in my stomach. You know, my stomach would hurt. And if my stomach was hurting, I knew I wasn't crying enough because as soon as I laid down or I sat down and I cried, what it would happen, my stomach would feel better. So, mm-hmm. you know, just you get these body clues. You know, you're, you're, you know how to do this as a human being. We're wired this way. We're wired to heal. But we have to give ourselves time to heal and space to heal and, and the right conditions to heal. So those are the things that I would suggest if you are in heartbreak of any kind. You know, a lot of people are experiencing heartbreak and loss over some, you know, natural disaster that's befallen them or their family members. So there's all sorts of reasons why we go through loss in our lifetime. and But we also need to heal those losses too, not the ones that are just from death or not just, but from death mm-hmm. or dying, but the ones that are even the more invisible losses that we, we have happen in our lives. So yeah, time and space, allow yourself, you know, plenty of time in nature and self-care, really good self-care. Christine, your book is about making the hero's journey to joy after heartbreak. And I love that you chose the word hero. What does it take to be a hero? What what made you choose that word? You know, um, that's a great question. And again, it goes back to that earlier um, comment that you made, Joan, about um, deciding not to be the victim. You know, that I really identified that that was the one huge pivot that somebody could make um, on the hero's journey was to not become a victim of their circumstances. And I just want to caveat that by saying, this is not to say that your circumstances that you may be presented with are not negative or hard circumstances. That's not what I mean. It's about being able to embrace what is, knowing that this has already happened, not living in the past so much so that you can't move forward on your journey. You know, moving forward um, and stepping forward doesn't always mean moving on. You know, we don't move on from people we lose. We carry them forward. And the hero embraces the journey no matter what. The hero stands in the journey and says, you know, I don't necessarily like that this happened. I don't, I'm not happy about it. But I am going to step forward with courage. I am going to step forward and be brave. I am going to move into my life in a way that is, you know, somehow stepping into it as opposed to resisting it. These are all aspects of what I define as being the hero or the heroine. I mean, I chose (laughs) hero because, you know, you'll find women will respond to the word hero better than men will respond to the word heroine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, and Christine, as you were talking, I just kept thinking that it's so important to have a conversation like this because mm-hmm. it shows people who are in pain. I, I mean, I remember when I was going through it, I was so inspired by the stories of people that gave me hope, that that showed me that it's not going to be this way forever. 
And and I think that it's so important that we're talking about this and yeah. and that you're sharing this. Oh yeah, because you know, I I found that um for me First of all, I found that when I wrote the first book that I ever did on loss was called Heartbroken Open, a memoir through loss to self-discovery. I found that to be so healing to just share my story and share my journey. And then I held Heartbroken Open circles in my home, and I had all these widows that were in their 40s coming to my house from all over the Bay Area and divorced divorcees. People, you know, had gone through great loss and their divorces coming to my house. And what I found was that there was such power and strength and hope and encouragement and healing as we share our story. And at the back of each chapter of From Heartbreak to Wholeness, I have a, um, a soul inquiry. It's, it's a, really the questions that I hope to lead each person on their own hero's journey through, and then a writing process. So I find that if you can sit down and process your story and write it from the hero's perspective, then you'll be well on your way to healing from that perspective and stepping into your life in a very heroic way. And, you know, this is something that it doesn't matter what other people think of your story or anything. What matters is that you tell the story, your, what, what stories we tell ourselves. So if we tell ourselves a story that promotes us as the hero, then we step into our life with courage and a lot of hope and knowing that we're stronger from what's happened. And, you know, I, I just, that's what I find has been so healing and so helpful is for people to be able to share their story. And even if it's just with one person or their family, you know, just to be able to tell their story is incredibly healing. The book is From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy by Christine Carlson. If you'd like to get more information about Christine or her work, you can visit fromheartbreaktowholeness.com. Christine, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I'd like to just tell all of you that, you know, my whole thing, the thing that really saved me in, in losing my beloved and moving into my life in a way where... I wake up every day just feeling tremendous joy and and it's such a it's such an inner joy. It's not something that's happening because of outside circumstances. It's I just feel alive and joyful and what I would love to say to anyone is that there's always hope. There's always hope in this life and that life in and of itself is a journey that we are on a human journey and that's why we're here, and the more you embrace that journey, the more you love that journey for what it is, the happier you'll be, and the more joy you'll return to, the more joy you'll experience. And I really believe that we're here to experience really true and lasting joy. And yes, there's suffering on the journey, too. And I hope that my book helps you in those suffering moments and gives you the encouragement and inspiration you need. And I just want to Thank you, Joan, for the work that you're doing for the world. How beautiful what you've done to turn your heartbreak into something so powerful. So thank you. Thank you, Christina. And and thank you for joining us and for sharing such a powerful story of hope. As I said, these are really important conversations that must be had. And your work and in everything that you're doing is, is just a testament that we can move through any challenge that we have in life 
and come out, as you say, in wholeness. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, subscribe to our mailing list, check out our articles, magazine, book club, and be sure to follow us on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.